Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. <laughs> you can drink all of the waters. <laughs> I want you to have... Dude. Do you want me to build you a, a water fountain right here in the studio? Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I can't do that, but I could work on it for next time. That would be perfect. Next time, just like me having a nice, beautiful water fountain right L- Like a tiny water fountain, like the ones in elementary school, or maybe like a flash dance scenario where the water comes from above. That would be nice, too, to turn it on and I just open my mouth. Yes. And then I'm back in. Yeah. Come on. Please. Let your mind go wild. Make it yellow. Uh, but yeah. hello, beautiful humans. <laughs> Imagine yellow liquid. That's a little weird. Yeah, maybe not yeah, the yellow <laughs> liquid. I meant more the fountain <laughs> itself. But. Oh, that would be gold. That would be gold. But is gold and yellow the same color? No, we start? no. I mean, uh, it's a form of yellow. The gold is a form of yellow, but not the yellow that at least I'm trying to rock. Got it. Yes, we have started. Dan is here, obviously. <laughs> There's no intro. And Max is here. Hey, let's go. You Thanks look for having me. Really beautiful. You you look really beautiful. Super bright. The so sh- does Dan with his just a magnificent outfit. Had to dress the part today, dude. I love it. <laughs> Thank he, you. He was so excited. Yes. I drove so far to get this last night. <laughs> yes. I'm just so for you. Happy. I love you so much. He's borrowing it from a friend. He doesn't own this. <laughs> Good borrowing is nice. I may Bar- own it now. I may not give it back. Who knows? <laughs> hey, borrowing doesn't mean you can't keep it. Exactly. <laughs> Don't give things back. <laughs> I'm just afraid that if I look over at Dan in the middle of this conversation, I'm just going to start laughing. Why? I can rarely take you seriously when you're not wearing that. Right now, in this moment, almost impossible. Nice and warm. What yeah, is- I look good. And cozy. I feel like you could take a nice nap right now. I could. Like- Actually, this hood is huge. I could just put it over my eyes and go to sleep and ignore you guys. <laughs> I don't like it. What does yellow represent to you? To me, I woke up and I... Through this sort of dark period I went through, I, I just felt like yellow is such a bright, electrifying space. It's not a, it's not an easy color to find, uh, especially clothing-wise and whatever else, but it just feels like hope. That's what it feels like to me in a, in a very exciting way, you know? So you mentioned this dark period of time that you went through. Mm-hmm. I want to try to connect everything here. So yellow means something... Because that's like the light at the end of the tunnel, essentially for you. Yeah. But is yellow the color for the album or is it just the color for this single Love Me Less? It is for the whole album in my mind. Yeah. You know, so I I came out of that dark time that we're talking about and I just it just hit. I love committing to a theme, of course, and I love committing to uh, an era of, of some sort. And the yellow just really felt like the best representation of why, what, what I want people to feel, what message I want to bring. And, and that is there's a positivity and there's a love and there's a light and there's, there's an electrifying energy that can't feel surface. It has to feel even through all the BS that you go through in your life, just trying to find that out of it. You know, that's, that's what it, it felt like to me. It felt like the best color to represent that. For yeah, sure. I, I, I like what you said. It is hope, right? It, yeah. it, it's opportunity. It's positivity. So let me do some calendar work in my head here. <laughs> when do you start writing this album? When? Like, how So I started that? writing it before the period we were talking about. And, um, oh. and, I had a, and I had a few songs. And that's sort of been what's been really amazing about putting out this Love Me Less song is that I started the song before I had the really terrible time in my life. And then I finished it after, which is why I really, it felt like the first one to really represent what I want to bring into the new album. So did you go into this album making process 
in thinking one thing and heading in one direction and then life hits you. Yeah. And you just got to adapt. Exactly. And that's it's sort of why I wasn't yellow before the whole thing happened. And that's why it's been sort of amazing to have the beginnings of it also communicate via the second half of it now that I'm finishing the album because now it's made me choose very specific songs that I want to represent uh, this specific theme and world. So there's songs that you wrote before you hit this dark moment that you're going to keep on the album. Oh, yeah. Is the majority of the album songs that were written and created post whatever you went through? Yeah, I'd say I'd say a good, oof, I'd say a good 65%, 70% is going to be from after. So I know some of the stuff that you went through, and I think a, a lot of it's kind of public. Like your voice, mm-hmm. losing your voice was a big part of that, I'm assuming. Yeah, huge part, for sure. Because you went voiceless. Like, you couldn't have casual conversation with people for months and months and months. Yeah, four four months total, pretty much. I saw you on one of the shows. You know, I found I had this injury. I think it's something, it happens to performers a lot, and it's not talked about as much as you would think it would be because it is so common, but in the end, singers and artists are vocal athletes. I mean, when we see a basketball player tear their Achilles or hurt themselves, we're not surprised. We, it's unfortunate, but it's just a part of the, the world that they're, they're in. Cost to do in business. Exactly. But same with music. There's so many people, luckily, who have gone through what I went through. Um, Megan Trainer, I think. Megan Trainer was the first person to tell me the app that I should use to communicate <laughs> with everybody. And uh, <laughs> Christina Perry hit me up telling me the perfect surgeon to go to. Like... It really was amazing to have this camaraderie with artists who I've known for a long time, but it felt like a new level of of having a camaraderie that was not there before, which was the one beautiful thing. It's somebody has been through it. You just you com- connect immediately, which yeah. was pretty amazing. That is special because a lot of it people, is. I think, on the outside thing, you know, not all artists are very they don't really embody camaraderie and community. But in this sense, you know, yeah, this is health and it's bigger. Like the idea that you were around so many people. I remember. We were in Kansas City and Kansas City, the capital for Haunted Houses, Eskimo Dan. Okay. And they have these crazy ones and we all went and you couldn't go in out of fear of screaming because if you really got scared and screamed, your voice could have been gone. It would have been over. Exactly. Done. So, so many of those instances and I still take those precautions, but yeah, so many moments to to be cautious of of not risking it. Just because I, you know, once anything in your life, health-wise especially, any trauma, you just see it all differently. You just, things matter less in a lot of ways, which is beautiful. But even more importantly, you uh, you don't take things for granted nearly as much and you protect the things that really mean the most to you. Dude, strength is shown when you don't speak for four months. I, I couldn't do that. I, 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 I don't even know how. It was really impressive to watch. Because we'd have full conversations and he wouldn't be able to talk. Like, yeah. We'd be sitting on the bus and you'd be communicating to, through a freaking app. It was a show. It was. But it was almost this, you know, I keep looking back at it. And again, why it relates to everything that I'm trying to bring in this new era of music is really that it, it was a yogi experience. I listen a lot more. I still, I, yesterday I didn't speak all day. I take days where I just don't speak. And... I guess it really makes you feel like, what do I really want to say? What do I want to put out there? What matters? What is truly success to me, you know? Um, even choosing songs for the album, there was a lot of people who wanted me to put out this one song that didn't mean a lot to me and it didn't really have a message that mattered to me. And I fought for Love Me Less to come out first. And just because I felt like that was a message that I would be more proud to represent. 
So Be- because your words have meaning. Yeah. You, you, the value of a word or a phrase, it, it changes. It does. The, the power. So you fight for Love Me Less to come out. It features Quinn 92. It's a great record. It seems really personal and really honest. And now knowing just a little bit about what we're about to get for the, from this album, it seemed like the right choice to kind of introduce everybody to this chapter. Totally. Nerves fighting for this song before whatever's about to come next? You know, it was interesting because I guess in another part of the the process of um this new life, I was with I was with some people that I'd been working with for five years. They felt like family and at the same time that I had the surgery, they bounced, which was uh it felt like when it rains it pours and I was just like, What? This is all happening at once and it just sucked and I was super depressed. And it was one of those moments where I always listened to what they thought I should put out, you know? And I didn't, with Lights Down Low, I fought at every turn for that song, whether it be to have my wife in the video, whether it to be the song that I go the most with. And I guess it was this post-traumatic stress of feeling like, wait, I want this song to come out. Is it wrong that I want it to come out and not everybody else wants something else to? Like, it almost felt strange that I was feeling good about something that I wanted to put out and other people were feeling good about it too. You know, the people that did help me fight for love me less. So it felt like a great transition because for one, I did hope that my fans being, I was silent for so long, didn't love me less or didn't, you know, abandon the the journey that we were on. And on the other end, it was, it was a personal thing. I, I, you know, I wrote the song for, again, for my wife, it was the extension of Lights Down Low. And it was uh, after I had this ex who, you know, threatened to, uh, get her deported and all these crazy things because my wife's British. Just like the little reality moments that take you out of the honeymoon phase and make you think like, oh, f- the things are really things yeah. are really happening yeah. now. Reality <laughs> still is happening Whoa. around me. And that was what it was all about. That's what the song was, is, is that, okay, I hope that this person that I've devoted my life to doesn't love me less for this baggage that I'm bringing to the table. Wow. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. I'll start with the, the the back end. Were there? How do you have that conversation with somebody that you're either in a relationship with, married to, about to be in a relationship with? How do you even broach your baggage? Do you brief her on you know the sins? You know th- that's what the record's about, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about would you love me less for all the sins I've made? But then at the back end of the record, y- you you ask yourself like, would you love me more? Yeah, because I got baggage and I might be a little crazy. Yeah. How, how do you broach the subject of baggage? How do you brief somebody on that? I think you do it bluntly. I think for me at least with with my wife, we have a lot of intense fights, I would say, but the fights get resolved right away. That's the one saving grace. We don't we don't fight for a week if we're having a fight. We have a fight for an hour and it's about, you know, living with my parents or whatever it may be, which is real. Like we're going to our new place next week. Oh my um, gosh. And, and we just get to a point where it just has to be on the table because both of our happiness, it matters. If she's not happy, I'm never going to be happy. And I think you just hit it bluntly. It's never a fun conversation. It never makes you feel good, but the result will also make make you feel better every time. So you just have to go for the uncomfortable conversation. So let's go back to... your answer was so in-depth and so detailed, and I don't want to get anything wrong as I'm I'm listening back to what you just said prior to this answer. Um, talking about the change of team and the fact that 
you had to convince people. You had to convince people about Lights Down Low, and it ended up becoming a, a massive hit. Really, it's a forever record that has a lifespan probably after everybody in this room pieces out. That record will still live on. Are you hurt when they doubt your ear now for a second time after you guessed the right record the last time? Definitely not. That's the other side of it is that I realize that I definitely am not always right as as well. And I, I do really love, I'm an only child, so I, I really love the opinions of others, you know, I think. But that could also be deadly. It can be deadly, exactly. It's the balance of the two because I'm, I need to be surrounded by people. I battle with the, of course, you want people to love you, but also you have to stay true to yourself. You can't compromise. And I think prior to the last like two years even of my life, I spent a lot of time pleasing people, just people pleaser oh, I should do this thing? Yeah, you're right. I should do that thing. And I don't regret it because it's brought me here. But gosh, there were so many moments that I look back at and think, you know, I really didn't want to do that. Why did I do that? So it all relates to the fact that now I have to fight for what I'm proud to put out because I'm not going to talk about something with you guys that I'm not excited to put into the world. I can't, I can't bullshit that. I can't lie about a song that I don't really love being out. But at the same time, I have to listen to the the people that I have trust to put around me to tell me what the best of the things I'm the proudest of is to put out, which has been a much more fun thing to say, well, here are the seven songs that I'm obsessed with. And honestly, Max, these three are the best and these four, you could do better. So I, I try to humble myself to say, okay, if you think I could do better with those, I will. Yeah, push yourself. Yeah. So Love Me Less is out. Queen 92 is on it. You know he's a cutie. That he's a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw, by the way, I texted you over the weekend because I wanted to know if you were going to just randomly show up at his show. Um, I also met him for the first time at your show, which I didn't really remember. But <laughs> You're having a good time that night. <sighs> Whatever. It's, it's going to haunt me for the rest of my days. <laughs> Not on wood. <laughs> who goes to who with this record and how does it start? Because there, I think there's two other writers on it with you guys. Yeah. I wrote most of the record, I mean, the entire album with these guys, Ahmad and Roger. They're really? amazing. I love them. The whole album? Most of it. Like, I'd okay. say like 70% thus far, and Got I'm it. obsessed with them. We just have the best time. Ahmad and I toured with Nash uh, when we were doing Lights oh. Down Low. Became really good friends. Started writing together. Roger did like sicko mode recently. He's, he's, his Heard credits are crazy. And together, we have this beautiful just bond. I go to their house, and we just create... Stuff that I'm excited. I leave every day, whether it's the best song or not, feeling so happy that I spent the day with them, which is not always the situation when you write with people. Sometimes you're like, ah, your soul is sucked out or whatever else, unfortunately. With them, it's always the best time. So I write the song with them and my friend Nolan. Quinn hears it because he works with them as well. He's like, I'm obsessed with this song. Do you mind? Are you like looking for a feature? Can I try something? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, that'd be so. Try it. Just go for it. (laughs) He tries something. It's what you hear. He's about to get married next month. Yeah. We just had a lot in common. And I loved his come up. He's somebody that I think, I think we both have felt like underdogs in the music game. We're the exact same age. We're a month apart. And I think we both have had a tough time of looking at other artists saying like, oh, it's so cool that that guy just blew up so fast. But man, we've both been in these trenches for so long, dude. Like, when are they going to stop sleeping on us, you know? And that, that has been sort of a camaraderie between us as artists, while also being grateful for the fans that care about us and the music we've put out. And uh, and that's been something that I really loved working with him on with this song. It felt like, oh, just two, two underdogs just trying to put a message out. Does that motivate you to keep going? Like, e- even when you were without a voice, like, you really could have tapped out of tour. You didn't need to do a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. You did. 
But what motivates you? Is this idea that people do see you as an underdog and you have something to prove? I'd say it's more on the end. It's definitely because I think if you go for that's a part of it. Of course, you want to prove people wrong. And that's just a part of our ego. But for me, at least even in the trauma of going through that experience, I think I've come out of it more so just trying to bring joy and a voice in whatever way to the people that care about my music. That's really it. When they care about a song, when it means something to them, when they relate to it, when they feel it, that's that's the fulfillment. I think it's all about fulfillment to me because I see some of the most successful people in the world be depressed. And all I keep reminding myself is, you know what? It's okay to not get to that tippy top point where that one person is at that you constantly compare yourself to, but it's not okay to let your fulfillment wash away and be sacrificed for that platinum record or that thing on the wall or whatever else because you'll just hate yourself so it always comes down to i would rather do a show at a rescue shelter to promote you know having like my my pup wink that you know i'd rather do that to sacrifice maybe that other opportunity because that's something that that i believe in and also makes me happy and even if it doesn't affect nearly as many people, it affects people in a way I hope that means more than maybe the alternative. So I think that's what keeps me going the most. People really caring more and more each time I share a new story. It, that's the best type of fuel to receive. But the audience, they matter. But for some reason, you always got to approve or get the approval of gatekeepers or tastemakers that essentially hold the the, the strings behind any sort of vehicle to get your music out there. Why do you think these people effing sleep on you or have ever slept on you? Man, I mean, I feel like that's the other thing. You can't, you just can't even care about it that much, you know? Yo, beautiful human, if you're ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it looks like it's moving slow and you're thinking maybe you can get across the tracks before the train comes, think about this. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings. 270. Stop. Trains can't. This message was paid for by NHTSA. Zach Sancho. Do you think that this is somehow attached to the fact that You've done so many covers in Could your be. career. Yeah. You've tried. You've had to embody so many, so many other people's stories, right? Yeah. For years and years and years. Some of the biggest covers that YouTube has ever held on this platform, you've mm-hmm. done. Because doing that consistently, and you were churning out covers like a freaking factory, bro. A lot of those. You have to continuously take yourself out of you and put yourself into somebody else's story mm-hmm. while reworking their whole arrangement and vocals and everything. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, the story behind that was that I was in, you know, I was in a label deal, like something that you don't like, you know, not everybody knows on the music game works. I was on Nickelodeon. I was signed to a label. I wasn't allowed to release my own stuff for three years. So I did the cover thing. That was the loophole. And I was you like, well, owned I need- it, dude. You changed Thanks, the way it works. And it was awesome, Kurt. I met Kurt. We're not related. Everybody always thinks <laughs> we are, but he's a man. We did that, and it at least I had the power to put my own stuff. I didn't have to rely on anybody. You know, I hated that. That was the other thing about acting that I always hated. I hated auditioning. I hated relying on people's approval to get a job or to do what I love. By so the way, at least modeling even more intense than that, and you oh, did that. All the things where you have to wait for somebody else, I can't do. So the cover thing was cool because I would do them at my house with Kurt. We'd record them, we'd do them, we'd shoot them. 
We were producing our own things and nobody could tell us we couldn't do it. And I think back to your point on the music side, if anybody comes up to me about one of those covers and doesn't know my own stuff and loves those, oh, it takes a lot in me not to, I have to be appreciative that they enjoy something of mine, but it does, oh, it doesn't fill me at all. It's just like, thank you. I'm glad you like those covers. But gosh, it doesn't mean anything. It sucks that it doesn't mean anything, but it's somebody else's. It's not mine. I just like put it out into the world a little bit more from their baby. Um, but if someone loves Lights Down Low or they got married to it, it fills me up every second. And that was part of, not even, I don't regret it, but that was a mistake in a way. It brought me here, but if there was something that I could do instead of that that did fill me more, I probably would have. And, and now you have integrity and you want to tell stories that are yours. It's really special stuff, really. Kudos to you. The strength is impeccable. What are you thinking? Are you, as a diehard Max fan, Eskimo Dan? I'm a Max friend. Whoa. Max friend forever, baby. Whoa. By the That's way, my boy. we do have fans and maybe eventually my friends people. hanging Slay, out hey, in the uh, Eminem Sweet Seats. Hey. Hey. Yes, girl. Slay. Bella, how are you? Great. Yeah. Nice to see you. By the way, this is the first time I've ever let guess. I was going to say, this has never happened before. No. This, so this is, is the first one? First time. Whoa. Okay, our, we did a slumber party once, but this is like the first time that we've ever had just two random... No, I love you, Bella. But but and Grace, yeah. Bella and Grace, love you. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had just two random people hanging out in the studio. So welcome. Very so respectful and fam, obviously. So it's like doesn't feel any different than a normal one. I was I was worried about it. I was like, oh, is it gonna change the magic of a Zach saying Dan interview? You know, but no. Nope. Well, I gotta be honest. Usually, I'm over here googling things, but I feel a little awkward with people behind me watching all my moves. Dan, no, Google everything. Your jacket is literally 15 times the size of your body. They cannot see past it. You don't are let okay. it sacrifice your world, Dan. I also think the jacket does enough talking, so I don't need to do much. Oh, it's yeah, it's <laughs> it. It says everything, baby. I know. <laughs> News flashed. You got to speak for the camera shot to go on you. So I mean, we can just cut away for a little bit here. Cut to this. <laughs> so as somebody else is talking, it's just gonna be a shot of you and your jacket. Of course, me. We'll split screen it. Split anyway, screen it up. <laughs> anyway, we got friends over there. Sweet seats. Thank you to our friends at M and M's. We love your white chocolate M and M's and white chocolate peanut M and M's. I'm really obsessed. You can have some Max if we you like. We like the yellow Ooh. ones the best. Ooh, yeah. I'll try them a little later for sure. <laughs> that was the other problem. I. You know, I feel like with Love Me Less, I create, I've been creating the sound with the Modern Roger and, and these guys that I'm just like, feels so fresh and still me. Like it's, it's not a, I'm not, it's an evolution of what I've put out already. It's not a departure for what I've created. Whereas with some other songs, it's so, it's so important to me because I don't literally produce everything myself and I know I don't. So making sure that it's cohesive is so important, you know? Um, and I produce verbally with producers to make sure that it's cohesive but to not do it physically that that is something that hinders me sometimes and i want to make sure that i don't put out a song that feels completely out of there that doesn't matter to the rest of the project because even though it's a singles driven world i'd ideally like to be an artist like i hang with ajr all the time and all we talk about is the importance of putting out a together project that the album is not dead that it that an era or a theme or a world man that shouldn't die like we got to fight for that just because Prince isn't alive anymore and that world of albums isn't alive doesn't mean that that's not what people still care about. They don't look back and look at a human condition from John Bellion and say, oh, that was a time in my life. And they don't always say that about every single, which is like, unfortunately, I feel like the world that we're building into, which 
is just is what it is. But I think it's important to still fight to to create a, a moment in time. I could not agree with you more. One John Bellion's album, Human Condition, changes my life forever. Changes the way I look at life, changes the way I look at myself. I learned things about myself that I didn't know until I listened to that freaking album. AJR, best example. Every one of their albums tells a story from the first second you listen to the last second of that album. Top to bottom, it's beautiful. It's like a movie. The question I always ask myself, and maybe I should start asking it out loud more, who's telling the music industry that albums are dead? Albums, uh, album sales? The well, numbers, maybe? Yeah, but streaming on a lot of the collection of records, if the if the story is right and the marketing promotion behind an album is proper, you can get people to link themselves into a story. You got to catch them from track number one. And I think just because it doesn't necessarily translate into a crap ton of sales because they're thinking with business first, they're not thinking art first, they're not thinking story first, they're probably not even thinking audience first. Well, they're thinking audience as it relates to money. So a single has the potential to get out there in the most places whether that's radio or playlist services or uh sync stuff like you can't sync a freaking album you know you can sync a record from an album so but i'll give you two examples we've got we've got old town road biggest thing in the world right huge. now we're all talking about it i am so fascinated to see because he seems like a, a cool guy little nas right that's the name Lil nas x, yeah, yeah little nas is it not i'm gonna say little nas nas is it nas or nas i think it's a little nas x we can sex. Yeah, we'll go with that. So I love him. So we look at him and he's great. He's so, like, it seems like he's fun. He's got this massive song. It's every second on the radio. Now, I, as someone who is a fan thus far, thinks it's great and loves the song and it's changing the game. I'm excited to see what happens. I hope that he builds out this story. I hope that mm. it's not just an only cheerleader. I hope that it really encapsulates a time and he builds out that world. Whereas on the other side, we have Billie Eilish just puts out this record. It seems like everything she does connects. It is all a part of her vision. Whether you're into it or not, she is going for it yeah. with with no boundaries. And we will remember that time of this Billie Eilish album when she was 16, 17, and she put this music out. And to me, that is the most exciting. As much as Old Town Road is changing the game and like screw racism and like anybody should be able to put out a f***ing country song and it should be a country song. Besides that... It needs to be that we live in a full period. That's what excites what me saying. the most. No, it's that's, a what, real that's what excites me most. It's a real chapter, and it's a real piece of their history and then cultural history at the same time. Yeah. And I, they do serve a purpose, right? The idea that, like what you said with Billy, this is a time where it's the Billy Eilish album. Like We're, we're going to live on for years and years and years and look back. Yeah. And you can build into it, obviously, you drop singles, but you build into a story, a world, a thing. So that's what's been important for me for this era and album. And I think meticulously about every video and every song and everything to it with the yellow and making sure that it has something you can follow along to and go back and not even realize it was there. I did it with Lights Down Low. It was like four different videos and they all connect if you go back with the salt lamp and the couple in the beginning is the couple in the end of the official video, all that stuff. Love it. And it's more fun to talk about that after and people finding that. You know, that's the kind of stuff that excites me the most with music. By the way, your salt lamp that you gave me right now is on at my house, Good. next to my bed, and has been since the night you gave it to me. I'm so glad. I I touch it every day. Good. Thank I'm you. Glad again. it rings warmth, always, baby. So, this album, why are you better equipped now than before to create this album? I'd say I got some fight in me now. I'd say my wife taught me that fight. Lights Down Low, obviously, as a song, taught me that fight. A reason that I stopped working with certain people 
through this dark period I went through was because I got married. And I think it's a stigma in the music industry that is a little weird. You know, we look at people, I met the love, I met my soulmate. I met the love of my life. I talked about it. I, I'm a transparent person. And certain people called my parents and told them I shouldn't get married, that I shouldn't be with this person because it'll screw my career up. And gosh, I would never sacrifice that. <gasps> no way. <laughs> f- that. But that's- and, and it's so gross, but that's the reality. And it's something I feel like people don't talk about as much. We, we put, I put myself in this position. You know, you have people who are finding an escape through music. And maybe sometimes that escape for some people doesn't involve knowing everything about the life of that person or the life of that band. And you can be completely mysterious, I'd say, as an artist, yeah. not share any of that. Or it's cool now that people do share it. But it is a, it's a sad thing that isn't as much talked about that like, let's say Taylor Swift got married tomorrow to not a famous guy, to just like a really, a guy that she just loved. Would we all be pissed that there wouldn't be any more Taylor Swift dating stories? Would it change her music for us? Would it screw up our image? Would she sell out stadiums? It's something interesting that we don't talk about that much, but I would hope that people would still love her just as much. I, just like Ed Sheeran marrying his, his soulmate, you know? But we feed wow. into it. We want to know who Taylor Swift is dating. We want to know yeah, what drama and all that. It's a part of the culture of it that we all love. It's a story that we all get a chance to follow. And her story's our story. Her story's our story. So maybe in that moment, maybe people would care. But the question is for how long and I don't know. It's it's But it's it's a really interesting thought of marriage and perception and like how transparent and how genuine should a human being be? Yeah. Because we live in an age where genuine is what is, I don't want to say demanded of us, but like you want to be, you don't want to be bull squash. Why would I want to sit here and have a mask on and be anything but this? Even if I'm wearing all yellow, there's no, there's no way I could say anything but what is coming to my mind. I can't not tell you exactly what's happening. I can't not, I can't lie. I can't bullshit you. So I guess back to your point, what have I learned to not ever hold that back with this new music, with every story, not sugarcoating it so it sounds more poppy or is more relatable. If my wife had a crazy surgery and almost died, I'm going to say that in the song. Or if we have a scared pregnancy, I'm going to say that in the song. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and make it more relatable overall. I'm going to be so direct about that specific story. And so I guess that fight is fun because it's it's exactly, there's nothing I've held back and I can never look back on this album and say, oh, I wish that I was more honest about that specific story for that song. But your stories have the potential to find the people who need your stories. So the idea that people aren't going to like your music because you're married or not is kind of crazy because, one, I think there's an audience for everybody out there. Two, there's going to be people out there who relate and need those stories, right? They might not be 12-year-old girls, but it might be, you know, 28-year-old women. Who, you, do you know what I'm saying? 24-year-old women, 23, but even, even 18. For the, even knows? for the 12-year-old girls, it's like, I, I would hope that a healthy relationship is something that we should be representing more in music, in media. Amen. Whether you're whether you're gay, straight, you're bisexual, you're transgender, there are healthy relationships in all of these places, and your your sexual fluidity should be represented well. You shouldn't be afraid to be that. Like everybody mm. thinks I'm gay, and if I if I could be gay, I would be gay. I'm just not. I just no same right. I would be ecstatic to be gay I, yeah, my great. wife and i talk about i hope i hope our son or daughter is exactly who they're supposed to be and the point of saying that is that i feel like us as a society having all of these role models who maybe don't 
give us exactly what their life is like, they are just an escape, then makes those young 12-year-old girls think my life can only be this to be super happy and something that everybody will be proud of me for. And it's cool to see like Haley Kyoko and all these badass women coming out and representing the other side of the sphere and the spectrum and just doing cool shit and being real with King Princess. There's so many cool artists doing it. But point is that we need more of that so that people are proud of however they came out into the world. Beautifully said. Authenticity wins. Just be yourself and try your best. That's all it really takes. Yeah. Dan, I feel like you're very moved over there. I am very moved. I can tell. He's crying, man. He's yeah, crying. you can't see it, but I am. It's good to know that Dan wishes he was gay. I don't. I don't say I wish, but like I don't know if we wish we had you. To be honest with you. Well, that's mean. <laughs> I guess it's like I put a wedding my wedding video up the other day, and um, I saw some 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 comment was like, "Yo, this is so embarrassing. Like, just come out already." And I was like, <laughs> "And all I ever, like, I was just like." Nah, I mean, all I ever think is that. I, I say it to my wife all the time. We we have these funny talks where I'm like, man, I could really, I look at Harry Styles and like, I would give him a good kiss. I would love to give, <laughs> I would love to kiss Harry Styles. You're an affectionate guy. I'm very, I'm very loving, you know, I give you oh. But like, obviously, mutually, I wouldn't want to kiss Harry Styles unless he wanted to kiss me too. <laughs> but the Crucial. point with that is that then I think about anything else, I'm not into anything else but that. Like, and it's interesting that whatever that is, like, I'm definitely that spectrum of sexuality would you, you know? invite harry in i mean but i don't think i could get more than that you, you know can't perform that's when i start getting a little in the back of my head I'm like oh no i don't want to do that though that doesn't feel right to me just to be with him in that way what about emily hooking up with harry and you just being a part of it? Oh, i'd be too jealous i could see her being with another woman and i'd be cool with that oh yeah only when it's a woman when you know you no competition no, i'd be too jealous if it was a man yeah it's true i would i, I understand would. I don't know. We don't talk. We don't talk about that stuff too much. She would definitely be pissed if I talked about it right now. But <laughs> point being, I tell her a lot. Where like we see a beautiful man, and I'm, you know, I'm so. We've been watching Queer Eye nonstop. I love Queer Eye so much, and um, and I have such a big crush on Anthony. He's oh. so he's a he's, oh, he's so rad. Beautiful. He's so sick, and I just tell her all the time. I'm like, if I were gonna kiss one of those guys, it would be Anthony for sure. Wow. And uh, but yeah, but I guess the I don't know the the point of this whole conversation is that. We are. It is really cool that sexuality is pretty fluid in this new day and age where it's like, I can say to you that I don't consider myself gay and I love my wife, but like, I would love to kiss Anthony. That would be cool. Dude. And I, and not, and that's it though. That's all I'd want to do. What does that make me? Who gives a no, I, I think you and me are just very comfortable because I always say I, I love Harry Styles. That's, that's my number one also. And I love Anderson Cooper. And I'm like, yeah, like you said, I'm not going to go hit a home run with Harry Styles. No, no But I'm home comfortable run. enough with myself to say, yeah, Harry Styles is a great, hot guy. Totally. And he looks phenomenal. There you go. And Anderson Cooper is a silver fox. Delicious. Absolutely. You're clearly comfortable, which is a great thing. Yeah. And, and it's this, I don't know, you, you obviously love people for being people. And I, yeah. I, I the do... pansexual thing is so beautiful. That really is, I guess, a great new thing that... I feel like is erupting in this new era, which is what it is. I feel like we're on our way to a point in time where those like people won't have to come out. No, it'll just be there. People are just going to love who they choose to love. People are going to be able to freely say that is a attractive man or an attractive woman or an attractive freaking cactus. It doesn't matter. We're, we're, I don't know if I kiss a cactus, uh, yeah, but I'm with, I'm, I'm, I get what you're saying. They're prickly, but <laughs> hey, listen, I get lonely. <laughs> um, if you get lonely, I don't know if a cactus is your best choice. 
Dan. Hey, no judgment. If, if you love a cactus. Yeah. If you could only see the love scars at least. <laughs> Let's get back on track here. Yeah, hit me. Sit back down. Do we have a date for this album? September I'm going for. September? That's what I'm working towards. So you wrote 70% of the album with those two guys. Yep. You brought up to me a few months ago, I think we are in Kansas City, a John Bellion record? Yeah, we're still working on some stuff. Does that does that song exist? Oh, there was one, and uh, I think another artist is uh, putting it out, which Ooh. is cool. But we're going to create something even more special, I promise. Whoa, whoa. I love working with Bellion, man. He's so... We're, I think it's just because we're both New York boys, very passionate New York boys who just love exactly what we're talking about, stories and music and making sure that it's real. And we just, we both love gospel. Like anytime with Basement Party for my last record, oh, we were just two kids in a candy store doing gospel harmonies on those on that song. And uh, yeah, so working with John for sure. Did you write that song that he presented to you? No, no, no. Which, the, new, the one for this record? That was the problem. The one that he hit me up. So the song that's going to another artist he sent me a text and he was like, there's no one but you that I want to sing this song. Nobody that could represent this song more than you could. And so I sang it. Then I went through my, my surgery and didn't talk to him about it for a while. And in that time, um, it wasn't fair for that song to not Shit. be out. So it uh, another artist sang the song. And now John and I are going to work on some new Did, that we write together. Is that song out? Not yet. It'll be cool when it's out. I'm excited to hear what the other artist sounds like on it too. But it, I totally, it was one of those moments where it was, it was an unfortunate part of the story where like I waited six months because I had yeah, a had dark life. period. And in the end, that's, that's why I like to, you know, mostly write my stuff from scratch. But also, th yes, and everything's meant to happen the way it happens. Exactly. You can't fight the universe. Somebody else's, your loss is somebody else's win and their loss is your win. Amen. And that's, you, you can't, sometimes you got to just know that that's the way of the universe. You having that failure is because someone else needed to get that part and do that thing. Well said. How would you describe your the sound of your upcoming album or your sound today? Because, you know, when you think of you, you think of either sex on the beach or lights <laughs> down low. And I'm like, what? what is it actually? Gosh, I would say it's raw. It's a lot of energy, whether that energy is in an emotional way or in a love me less way where it's... it's um. It's more up, upbeat and inviting. But I'd say overall, it all always comes down to an electrifying energy wherever that's harnessed. And that's, that's what it is. And of course, that's, that's soul, that's pop, that's gospel stuff. But I'm always a pop boy. State of pop is strong, baby. Let's go. Well, I think it's funny because like, obviously a lot of people know you from Lights Down Low. But if you ever see yourself perform, it's the complete opposite. I mean, you are all over the place, drenched in sweat. And I just don't know, do people not connect that still, you think? I don't think so. Yeah, a lot of times when people come to a show, they're hopefully pleasantly surprised that it isn't just the lights down low vibe. And and I love getting to that song in the set because that's usually the, the slow moment, which is which is beautiful to have that that connection in that way. But it is ironic that that's the song that people know the most. And yet most of my stuff is. It's so opposite. A lot, lot more, yeah, a lot more uh, energizing in your face, I guess. Mm-hmm. That song's success is pretty outstanding, but it does, does it set a level where you feel like you have to match it or surpass it? Absolutely, in certain ways. It, there's a pressure. Mm -hmm. A lot of people ask that where it's like, what changed? Nothing really changed, but the pressure of now this one thing exists that most people know, even if they don't know me. And that is a representation of everything for me. 
and can I ever do that again? But not the same. I would never copy that exact you shouldn't want song, to. and I don't want exactly. That's what? the main thing. It's like putting out another song that has the same guitar that starts it in me singing a ballad. That I feel like that would be a cop out. So all I come back to whenever I'm writing a new record, trying to do that, is exactly that. What? Where did that come from? Why does it mean something to people? And is there a way to replicate the amount of passion that was in that record, maybe in a different way or a different sound? Always. But it is, it does, it is the double-edged sword of a of a of a song kind of really having its own life outside of an artist. Well, I think we talked about this before, but we talked about how like that song was bigger than you. Oh yeah, totally. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's both. It really is both. Because on the one end, um, gosh, I was listening to something earlier where I did like I did a performance for a sports thing and it was like not ideal. I didn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't very good. And uh, and these guys are just fucking tearing me apart. They were like, yo, this dude's garbage. Fuck this guy. And it hurts. Hate, oh, when you get, it doesn't, like I put myself in that position, but when somebody hates on you, it never gets easier. You just build thicker skin. You're just like, all right. I mean, this is me. So if you don't like my yellow wearing pop singing ass, then I don't need you, you know? <laughs> But it still hurts. And funny enough, in that same thing I listened to, they're like, oh, I know this song. Oh, this it's this guy. Like, I know this song. Oh. And and they're, they suddenly were like, oh, well, this is a good song. This is a good song. And I was like, f***ing A. Like, <laughs> on the one end, it's great that that's something that people can come back to and connect with. Um, and on the other side, it is only frustrating if, yeah, they don't, I would love them to know more. Of course. Yeah. I would love them to know more. But I'm happy that people care enough to know all of it. And maybe Lights Down Low isn't even their favorite song, which is which is great too. So I got to just be grateful for anything anybody cares about, you know? There's a million artists, million things in the world. They you care just, about you. That's the coolest. So even in a small way, that's the saving grace. Yeah. Ha- has there been a thought, and this m- might be a hard question, I don't know, but have you ever thought of the idea of possibly becoming a one-hit wonder? With lights down low? Man, as long as I have babies with my wife and a happy family, I've thought about that and I'm like, cool, that's it. That's fine. That really is truly, I think about it all the time because almost on the one end, I'm very happy with my world. I feel very fulfilled and there is success and I can walk into a grocery store and nobody knows me. I can walk to an airport, five people come up. I'm happy with where I'm at. It like... I can only imagine. I saw Sean Mendes in the airport the other day and like people following him around and I don't have that kind of life, which on the one hand is is maybe you aspire to play arenas and have that life. But on the other end, I'm happy that I can maybe one day just have some babies and like chill and it not be that much pressure. But as long I'm grateful if it's the one hit, it's that song. Man, I'm glad it isn't a song that I hated, you know? I don't think you're a one hit wonder. I'm, not, I'm I'm working to not for sure. I, just, I appreciate that. No, you're not. But I I think about like my life. If I got fired tomorrow, like what would I, you know what I mean? Like what would I do? Like would I be happy if I ended everything today? Like yeah. could, would you still make music even if you weren't performing and oh, singing the lyrics? Forever, forever. Make music, help artists. I'm so obsessed with the the world around it all. Yeah. How the music gets to your ears. You know, that's such a thing that I think sometimes we don't even think about. Where did you hear that song? Was it on the radio? Was it on Spotify? Was it on Walmart? Was it on the Zach Sang show? It's like that fascinates me and gets me excited to help others find a way to bring 
their music to every sphere where people can hear it because that ultimately is how I got Lights Down Low out the way I did with the team I have, you know? So I would always be involved with people, um, whether it be writing the music or helping them bring their art to fruition. Cool. Good. Mm-hmm. And I want to see my kids play soccer games. And I, I have the most <laughs> obsessed thought of just going to like toddler ballet. I'm so excited for that one day. <laughs> oh, that sounds like, looks like heaven. Uh, what year did you start dancing? When I was a little kid. Yeah. yeah. When I was like five, six. Put you in, uh, what, what do you start? Tap, jazz, ballet? It's a little ballet. Yeah. Ballet. Wow. A little jazz ballet. Yeah. And that's the thing. I see a lot of artists and you know, that is one thing we don't think about. It's like, Gosh, I, I want to be as successful as I can be. I would love to play Madison Square Garden. I want people to know my music around the world. But if you ask me right now, would you rather that or would you rather have like longevity and pretty good success and you get to go to your, your child's toddler ballet class every day? I would choose that every time. Beautiful. I have a question. Who would put on a better performance at MSG today, you or the Knicks? <laughs> That's a great question. Um... Man, I uh, I'm a diehard Knicks fan, as you know, and, and they suck. I got the heart. It's hey, Dennis Smith Jr. is pretty good. He's and I hope we get KD. But um, you know, I uh, I would I would I would love to put a performance on it. Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I ain't trashing the Knicks. It's, they're too good to my heart. But um, yeah, they need to get better because it's so hard to love them. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, so that was a very polite way of not answering your question. <laughs> um, but but I would be honored to play there and uh, and hopefully I'd put on a better performance in this season for sure. Danced around that one. I can't. I can't. I can't dance around it. I did this thing at the Jets the other day, which was one. I'm just gonna say I did this Jets thing and people were trashing it and. It was but um oh is that the sports thing yeah i did oh, the, the sports unveiling thing. of the jerseys oh my god it was so bad and uh it was just <laughs> a hodgepodge of bullshit. but but um but point being i said something at the end of the song like about how it was a rough season i'm a jets fan it has been a oh, rough season they must have. it has sucked and nobody was happy about that oh man <laughs> i was just addressing the obvious and i'm sorry to all jets fans out there i felt like i could say it because i am one just like if someone else trashes the knicks it's and they're not a fan. I'm like, you get out of here. But if it's a Knicks fan, no, I'm like, you can't. We started the conversation with if you love something, honesty is the best policy. And yeah, you deserve honesty. I didn't say the Jets suck. I was like, even though we had a rough season, I'm still New York. Like, I'm still here, even if we had a season. I'm still a fan. Isn't isn't that even better to be a fan when yeah. you have a season? Yeah, because you know if. The team should want you to be there, whether that they're Beyonce or they're Lindsay Lohan. So, like, I don't know. It shows commitment. Exactly. Lindsay Lohan, Beyonce. I mean, we all want to be at our Beyonce, but, you know. We can't always be there. How is she always so on point, yeah? It's the ride or dies that matter. I don't know, guys. Lindsay Lohan seems like a good time. She seems like she's having a good time with life. Right? I got to wrap this up. Yeah, I know. We're having a good time. (laughs) By the way, does Woody Johnson come up to you after? Isn't that who owns it? The Johnson Johnson? I had a a show right after, so I had to leave literally Uh, right away. Um, He seems like a really probably the same grace. Yeah, yeah, he's probably, no he's probably time a nice to guy. hang around and get yelled at. He's probably a nice guy. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, man. I'm, oh, uh, yeah. One last quick question: uh, Are you touring again soon? I feel like you play 500 shows a year. Too many shows. Yeah, I've been doing a sh- ton of college shows and radio shows, but once this album's out, I'm gonna do a proper tour. I've never had the chance to do that. I've never done, which is another thing I wish I did. Like, I've never had an album come out and then I tour for that album. Mm. Um, so I'm going to be doing that very soon. This is your time, my friend. Thank September, you, possibly an album. That's like a rough date. Working hard. Love Me Less featuring Quinn92. That is a single. It deserves your ear. Uh, do you have like a schedule yet? Like how many songs are actually done done for this? Um, I've got like, I got like eight done. Eight. Mm-hmm. How many you want to put out? Um, 
between like 10 and 14, I'd say. Healthy. Yeah. Keep it like nice and Let's see where you stick your teeth in. A good thick sandwich. Dan? Yes. Final thought. You look good in yellow. As you, my friend. I appreciate that. So beautiful. (laughs) I didn't have a single yellow thing in my closet. I'll change that. Thank you so much. Max, I love you. Love you, brother. Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap for Max. Thanks, guys. This podcast is part of the Max Sang Show Podcast Network.